welcome to another episode of the Just Get Started podcast. I'm your host, Brian Andreco, and thanks again for being a part of this journey where we talk with people who are trying to live their most fulfilling life, which often tends to be on a much different path than it started out on. Whether it was changing careers, getting laid off from a job which sparked their entrepreneurial journey, getting in the best shape of their life, or breaking through the noise to answer their calling. All of these types of situations and more but they wouldn't have gotten to where they are today if they didn't get started. We talk about the why and the how of it all, all the getting started moments, and the lessons learned along the way. I'm truly grateful to have you listening in on this episode, so let's get it started. On this week's episode, please welcome in Matthew Yeas to the podcast. He is a serial entrepreneur, an avid traveler, a diehard snowboarder, and helps entrepreneurs grow their business by getting them out of their day-to-day grind. He has over 20 years' experience in business strategy, technology, and entrepreneurship. After years on the traditional corporate path, in 2009, he was laid off, which began his journey to start his first company at the age of 36. And as he shares a lot in this interview, it's been an amazing roller coaster ride ever since. Excited to get into this episode, and without further ado, my chat today with Matthew Yeas. Matthew, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining today. Thanks, Brian. Happy to be here. Yeah, excited to chat with you. I'm uh, always interested, you know, to, especially with this podcast, learning from all different people, different walks of life, you know, how they got into what they're doing today. And I wanted to start off, if we could, because some of the stuff you're doing now, and you would probably agree, you would never even thought of doing maybe 10, 15 years ago when you were younger, right? You didn't have an idea of this, but there was a pinnacle point I saw, and fact check me on this, but you got laid off many years ago. And that seemed like that changed the entire course of your professional life, if you will, right? Would, would, would that be an accurate statement? Oh, very. I mean, I think that is when I started on the entrepreneurial path. I mean, it's, it's really that simple. I was let go in 2009. So, you know, during the, the downturn, the big, you know, economic downturn we had and you know, a series of events before and after really just set me up on the, on the path to entrepreneurship. Mm. And I think really it's, it has to do with a piece of advice I got, you know, from my uncle who's a very successful guy. He said to me, I was very upset when I got let, let go. It was the first time that ever happened to me. I've survived to 2000, the year 2000, all those layoffs, multiple rounds. And I got laid off because someone didn't like me. I mean, at the end of the day, it had nothing to do with performance. And I was told that pretty much. So it, what happened, he goes, you can love a company, but they can't love you, but it can't love you back. And if you think about that, what it really, he was really saying to me is, hey, kid, uh, you, it's not your business. Therefore, no matter how much time and effort you put in, it doesn't matter how much you care about the business. The, se- you know, you're, the second you're, you need to go, you're going to go. And, you know, it was a nicer way of saying it, but it really resonated with me. And after that, I haven't had any real jobs. <laughs> so, it, you know. it, is, it is interesting, though, because and that's actually an interesting point, because I think about it with, you know, the full time jobs I've had. It's like I become so loyal to the company and you want it to succeed and you want to pour your your heart and passion. And then, you know, just like we saw, you know, over the past year with the pandemic, all of a sudden, you know, the, the, uh, 
your job one day is just gone, you know, for no rhyme or reason yeah. besides just the economy maybe goes down. And, and I know folks have to make those tough choices, but the reality is you could have been the greatest performer in the world, but for whatever reason, your division, your role got eliminated, you know? Or your business is gone. I mean, so I have, I have right. multiple businesses. One of them is in weddings. You want to know how well that's going? I mean, you know, they're, they're just things out of your control that, that cause you to evolve, right? And if you have a choice, in my opinion, you have a choice. You can either say, woe's me. Oh my God, I got laid off. Oh my God, my business, you know, the wedding industry is basically illegal now. You know, 2008, oh my God, the financial crisis. Or you could say, okay, this is really terrible, right? Like, you know, what happened to me stinks. But I'm going to take a step back after I kind of, you know, stop grieving about whatever just happened, you know, mm-hmm. take a minute, but I'm going to take a step back. So, okay, well, how do I use this to my advantage to actually do something else or something I've always wanted to do or something that, you know, take advantage of some opportunity, right? So there's opportunity in every crisis, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for me to doubt, you know, when I got laid off, COVID, these are all business opportunities for me. Terrible things have happened, but it was a business opportunity to pivot and grow into something else, right? And I think a lot of people now are facing that, right? You know, they're let go from their jobs because because of COVID. And, you know, while it's absolutely terrible, right? That doesn't mean some, some good can come out of it for yourself. Yeah. Well, so how did you do that in 2009? And you mentioned you obviously had some great advice from your uncle, but how did you overcome that? Because you were always working for other companies. So now it's like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? Was your first thought to go back and work for another company? Or did you just decide like pretty quickly, like, all right, I got to figure out something on my own? Yeah, so it's interesting. It's a really interesting path. So I, at the time, was working for the Chicago 2016 Olympic bid. And so this is, we were trying to bring Chicago, you know, the Olympics to Chicago. And I was fortunate enough that my boss at the time, he was my client, was mortified that this would, that I got, he, he was furious that I got fired. And so I got laid off and I get fired. I guess it's laid off, getting laid off and getting fired, I guess, I to me are kind of the same thing, right? No. You're no longer at the company. Uh, so I got, so I got let go and he just hired me as a consultant right away. Just come work for me. No problem, right? And so I was on my own as a contractor. It was my first taste of entrepreneurship on my own because I did not have a company. I had a client, right? And I was a solo operator. After we lost the bid, what happened was, uh, I you know, it, this is, says to the importance of me of going out properly. My old company, about two months later, my, my partner, so uh, I was let go by someone who was more senior who didn't like me. My partner loved me. He says, hey, do you want to come back as a contractor? And it'll be two X your rate. Your previous, actually, it was like two and a half. So I ended up leaving, the getting laid off because I exited right as a contractor now, again, my first taste and second taste of entrepreneurship, as a solo operator, I was making more money than I ever had before. Mm-hmm. And so that gave me an inkling of, wait a second, if you do this on your own, meaning operate on your own, there's a lot more money to be made, potentially, mm-hmm. right? 
And so after that ended, and the, you know, my, my client actually from the bid, he was a very senior restaurant industry guy, top five guy in the industry, big company. You would know, you know, the names he said, I'm going to, he calls me up and says, Hey, I'm going to start a company for, uh, in the restaurant. I'm going to start a restaurant company. We're going to go national. We're going to raise a bunch of money and all this, you know, do you want to, uh, to join me? I need someone who can just get stuff done. You want to be one of the people you want to start the company with me. So I was one of four people. I was the most junior guy on the team. We started a company, spent four years growing it to, it was 16, 14 locations in six states. And, you know, that was, that was my first company I created, hmm. right? But it was all about relationships and things I built. And, and honestly, out of the recognition that when I got laid off, right, maybe I can make more money and do something different and rely on myself other, rather than rely on others to give me employment. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And you start to realize like when you pull back the, you know, all the, I guess the things we we don't even question when we're working in corporate America, you don't even question, just kind of show up every day, you do your job, you leave, like all these things, like, wait a minute, why can't I be doing something? Because I, and I think some of the challenge a lot of folks have, I'm wondering if you had this is because you had mentioned, obviously had a good rapport, right? People respected you. You, you, you obviously got to ask back, which means you did good work. It's sometimes when you're surrounded by people that aren't doing as much, it almost pulls you down at times. I found, you know, like you want to, kind of go above and beyond sometimes. So it, I think when you can control your own thing, you're allowed to set that expectation, right? That culture, if you will, for yourself, for people you hire, et cetera. Would you agree with that or? A hundred percent. I think as an entrepreneur, the, the great thing is I get to make the rules. That's it. However I want to run my company, whatever culture I want to create, whoever I want to hire, I get to do that. And I think you're right. When you're in a company, you just kind of just go along. Okay, this is the way things are. This is the culture. And you're junior, right? You know, especially when you're starting out, right? And you don't have an opportunity to affect anything. You just have to just go along to get along. Mm -hmm. And what I like about entrepreneurship is I get to create what I want to create under the rules I want to create, right? If I want a contract to say to, to be a certain way, I have that right. If I want to run the business and I want to give extra benefits to people, I don't have to ask anybody. I just want to do something nice for a team. I get to do it. There's no corporate nonsense. And so, look, there's a lot of freedom, but I think in entrepreneurship, there's also a lot of risk, right? Like, you know, you're really going out there, you're trying, you're hustling, and, you know, it takes a minute to get it right. Yeah. Now, so when did this idea, cause, so I'm assuming, are you doing anything with the restaurant stuff that you were doing no. many years ago? You're out no, of that? No, no, okay. I, I, that was a what look. When a guy like uh, my former boss asks you to start a company with him and he's, you know, really up high, right? Like, you know, he's, you know, he was number two in a comp one of these companies. It, you just say yes. Like, I know nothing about the restaurant industry, right? So as soon as I can be done with that, I'm out. Like, I never want to start a restaurant, never want to be involved in a restaurant. It's a brutal industry. Yeah. So with the Extend Your Team stuff you're doing, when did that idea pop in your head? When did you see a need for this in the market? What, what, yeah. what was the, do you remember the ideation process? Yeah. So look, it's not an original idea. So it's essentially a virtual assistant company, right? It's not an original idea. So what happened was after I left the restaurant business, I did some entrepreneurship, you know, I joined a couple of different startups in Silicon Valley, right? And very short stints, but one of them 
was a company that had, I came in as an interim COO mm-hmm. for a company with that was 450 people. So it was like 400 assistants and 50 internal employees. I've never known like about out, virtual assistants, outsource executive assistants. They were all in the US, right? And they were at the time a big name in the industry. And I thought this was really where things were going for EAs because I saw a downsizing in corporate America where people didn't want to have a staff EA, they wanted just someone outsource. Mm-hmm. So I thought this was a great idea, but I thought you know, EA, the executive admin was the idea. I thought this was phenomenal. Unfortunately, the company was capitalized incorrectly. And in the staffing industry, if you ever want to go out of business quickly while you're growing, you have people pay you after the, like at the end of the month versus the first of the month, mm-hmm. right? Because you have to pay salaries. So you better have that funding. So if you're not profitable and you're all of a sudden you're growing, you need more and more money to make payroll. And you know, so what unfortunately that's the way they had structured it. Mm-hmm. Within three weeks, I found out they were completely undercapitalized. And they were sold for pennies on the dollar because they couldn't make payroll. And but the idea always stuck with me. It was a phenomenal idea. Fast forward to I ended up buying an e-commerce business, a portfolio of four sites. I said one of them was in the wedding business. And in the e-commerce industry and internet industry, it's very common to have virtual assistants. But these are five dollar an hour people in the Philippines. That's mm-hmm. typically what you see: six, four, three. It's just very low level, but you hear people talk about this all the time. Like it's, oh my God, it's the greatest thing. Well, I went down this path of, of low level people and it just really um, takes you down this dark hole of pain because you're trying to have ju- people who are junior help you from another country, help you run your business. Mm-hmm. So that doesn't work, right? And I, so I saw what uh, the, you know, the executive admin company, I was COO, I saw that experience. I had my own experience and I combined it to say there's a better way. And why not just hire higher level people from the Philippines? They're your virtual assistants, but they actually can do all the work that the Americans can do and then some for a third of the price. And it's just all you, I, I said is, why don't I actually get people like you or I, Brian, who happen to live in the Philippines and have them work for American companies? It's, it's really not rocket science. But it turns out, right, so it's, you know, that people are very into it because they are getting better help that they can ever afford. Like, you know, someone's 15 years project manager, 20 years division head for like 20 bucks an hour. And so it just works and it helps people grow their business. How did you find, so you mentioned the other folks that were like three, four, five dollars an hour. Obviously this is a different breed of of individuals. How did you find those? How did you uncover who those people are? How do you vet those individuals? Sure. Uh, So it's, it's vetting is a bit of a crapshoot to be honest with you. Like now I can do it because I have a team and they vet, but when I was doing it, you know, my, myself, I just went through a couple very popular websites. Um, one is onlinejobs.ph. People can go there. You can go put up a job, a job description, and then you're going to get, you know, a thousand people applying. And you just cycle through a lot of people hiring and firing. That's really it. I mean, you know, the, you know, I think one of the things that people should think about as they start their business is what pain points do you have and what did you solve for yourself? Right. So in this case, like I created a business because I solved the, the problem of 
low-level people. And I ended up hiring someone who was high level to run my business. And I was like, oh my God, this is the best thing ever. I went from working 14 hours a day to, to three to now maybe an hour a week on that business. Yeah. And, you know, but I solved the problem for myself. So I, tend, I have, you know, a real visceral understanding of the pain points. And I think as an entrepreneur, when you do something like that, you solve a real problem for yourself there are a lot of, you're not special, right? There are a lot of people with the same problem. Mm-hmm. Just go do it for other people. Yeah. What did you, what would you find? What was the biggest hurdle getting it off the ground? Cause obviously you had that experience of being at that one company. Uh, yeah. Obviously some of the lessons learned there, but what, what was your hardest point of actually getting it spun up? Yeah. So I think, well, step back a little bit. It's even the spinning up of the virtual assistant agency, frankly, wasn't hard because I already had someone to help me. Right. And so you say getting your first customer, that's typically the hardest thing. I had the concept. I had someone who can recruit in the Philippines for me because she was working for me already. Right. So that wasn't difficult, but step, but, but making the jump to get to that point was difficult. So to the point where I had to believe that I can find someone better, like, Hey, I can hire someone in the Philippines to who can do high level work. Right. That pain point was actually because of my wife. So the story is we were going to China on a family vacation. And what she said is, hey, by the way, I really hope you're not working on this vacation. It's a family vacation with my parents. Hope, in wife's talk, I don't know if you're married. Are you married? I used to be. Okay. (laughs) So you know this. Very much so. Hope is not hope. It's a direction. It's a command. And so I said to her, she's like, hire someone in the Philippines to run your business. At the time, I had a bunch of people. I was getting 14-hour days. You know, I had a bunch of people in the Philippines, but they just created a lot more work for me because of the hand-holding, right? So I said, honey, I can't hire someone in the Philippines to go run a 4,000-order-a-month business. I mean, it makes, you know, millions of dollars a year. It's just, you can't find that person. She looks at me and she says, "Uh, it's 100 million people in a country. There's going to be one that can do the job. Just stop it. Meaning like, hey, by the way, stopping so egocentric and American-centric that you think skills are only here, mm-hmm. right? So, all right, honey, and I paid a little lip service. Let me go figure this out. Spent two months, interviewed 100 people, reviewed five, 600 resumes, whittled it down to 10, and I found someone who was chief of staff for a 100-person company. I convinced her to work for my six-person company, and she just kicked butt. Honestly, I hired her within a week. She took over 80%, did everything 80% perfect. I went on vacation, no problems. And getting to that point was tough. Leave a better way was possible. And it only took an, ex- and took an external factor for me to believe that I could get the talent I needed in another country. So where, where you all are coming in from the extender team standpoint is you're eliminating the 500 interviews for people to whittle it down. You're helping them whittle down themselves um, to get to the right people. Would that be accurate? So there's that. Plus there's other things like, you know, we're giving healthcare, we're giving medical, dental, life, okay, gotcha. internet. We coach both the client and the, uh, the team member to make sure it's successful. So, you know, Add in the fact that it's you know cross-cultural stuff plus working style stuff plus 
other factors that sabotage outsourcing relationships all the time. We actually, now I have, I have over, like basically overhead at people who are skilled in help and setting this up correctly and making sure it's, you know, working ongoing. Gotcha. Right. And there's all the whole other things, but that's the value we create. The way I like to look at it is we're not a cost center for the people. We're a profit center. And the reason I say that is because it frees people up from real work. So then they can go grow their business. I think as entrepreneurs, our job is to grow our business. I, I always didn't realize that, by the way. Like I thought my job was to operate a good business. Yeah. And it, yeah, to a point, but... I think our job as entrepreneurs is to grow grow our businesses. Like you make money doing this, you don't make money, you know, editing the podcast, right? And everything else should be given to someone else. And so I like to think the people that our clients invest in are actually helping them grow their business. Yeah. Well, it kind of reminds me, you know, um, Tim Ferriss used to say, you know, says this a lot. I don't know if you follow Tim or not, but like, how do I get myself out of the business where it can still technically run? if I'm not there. So building the systems in place um, to make it actually run um, as a profitable business, but like where I'm not the bottleneck is how, is how he said it, you know? Yeah. And I would like level it up one. So like when he was talking about it, the four hour work week, like he was talking about the $5 an hour, you make it, you know, bulletproof checklist, 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 right. checklist. What I like to say is level that up, right. And get someone who could do that for you. It's a whole nother different, it's, it's, it never, like, it wasn't really possible. So when he did it, it, you know, he did the four hour work week and he talked about virtual assistants and he, this guy, I mean, obviously he's Tim Ferriss, right? Yeah. He's a pioneer. But where I, what I think is possible now is the type of people that will come work for a foreign company is completely changed. And COVID, this is why I talk about opportunities. Mm-hmm. COVID changed the way, the way the world works. Right? All of us, we're all virtual assistants now, we're all remote. So in that environment, as an entrepreneur, there are endless opportunities to help other people and to create a business, right? And I think, you know, all the people listening, like, think about that for a second, right? Working, you know, it's, you know, COVID happened to be good for this industry of virtual assistants, right? Remote workers, it's great. It's, it's, but what other opportunities are there where people aren't going to an office five days a week. And how does that change work? How does that change society? There, there, there are definitely multiple, many, many, many multi-million dollar businesses that are going to come out of COVID. And these aren't just COVID tests, like actual businesses because the structure of the world has changed. Yeah. In my opinion. Yeah. No, that's a good point. And, well, and I like one, one of the things just to highlight or underscore, I guess, is you had mentioned, because there's a lot of, as you mentioned, there's other companies out there that do like virtual assistants and you can match people up. But I like what you were talking about is where y'all are actually doing the coaching side of you're actually, it's almost like marriage counseling. Like you're, you're helping that part of it. It's not just matching people up, but it's actually making sure it's a successful partnership as well, which has to be important because there has to be some cohesiveness, right? Between individuals, especially if they're across the world. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's very well said. Um, when you look at someone that's starting a business, so let's just—it doesn't matter what the business is—but if you if you look at someone that's starting the business, what is the opportunity? I guess well, you're talking about opportunity in terms of COVID, but what is the opportunity in terms of things they should be thinking about now? Like maybe step one, two, three um, that they should be considering as they go forward. 
But start a business, in my opinion, first thing is validation. We all have ideas, right? So start a business, you create your product, right? And so create your product and then try to sell it to someone you know, right? Your product is service or whatever it is. Um, you know, so just do that. Like get your first customer and it's going to be people you know. That's the first thing you should do when you start a business. Like you have an idea, validate it by getting someone to buy it. And if you can't get anyone to buy it, um, then it's not a good idea. Are, are, are folks going through like market testing for that? Or is that just to your point? Hey, if there's a pain, there's probably a business there. Or how, how do you suggest they maybe go down that path? Is there anything you'd coach them on? Yeah, I would say just call, honestly, call up all the people you know. So your, fir, your, first, um, your first customers are going to likely be someone you know. Tell everyone your idea. Okay, so everyone's talking about, oh my God, someone's going to steal my idea. Ah, right. No one is stealing your idea. I mean, heck, my idea, like, like, you want to talk about the most unoriginal idea? I'm literally in, like, one of the most crowded industries, in the, you know, now. And I'm just like, oh, I'm just going to do it differently, right? It's not really original, right? And I'm just, I have a twist, right? So tell everyone your idea. And then ask people, just, hey, if I started this, what do you think? Great. And they say, awesome, blah, blah, blah. Would you be a customer? That's it. And that's how I would go about it. No market testing. Listen, for most of us, right, unless you're coming with a Silicon Valley bank account, you're not going to sit here and do market testing, splash pages, apply $50,000 in marketing. Right. Stop that stuff, right? Yeah. Okay. Like, okay, so my virtual assistant is now, it's a little unfair because I had someone working for me already who can at least do the recruiting. Mm-hmm. But I, I think it, I started with like, right? And I just said, okay, to my team member for my other business. So you can say that's unfair. Okay. So make her salary for a month and that's your startup cost. Right. Mm -hmm. So, but it's only a few thousand dollars. And then I said to everyone, I started talking to everyone I knew about it in my network. And they said, Hey, if you could actually do this, I'd be a customer. Great. I went out and found someone. Right. Now I take like security deposits, not the search deposits and all sorts of stuff. But I said, look, if I can find someone, would you do this? They said, yes. And I didn't ask for money up front. I didn't ask anything. I delivered. Mm-hmm. Then, okay, great. You know, it's, it's, a, it's an agency. So you're going to pay me for the person I find, right? They're on my team, so on and so forth. But I did the service for free and I delivered, right? And I, you know, that's, you know, another thing people should think about. Don't necessarily charge until you get results, mm-hmm. right? I didn't charge anyone until I got a better person, right? Until I actually did what I said I was going to do. And then my first 10 customers were all people I knew. I did not go outside my network. It was like customer 11 or 12, where I finally had to, and that was scary, by the way. The first time it was someone I didn't know I all right, do I re- so I have an idea. Okay, I'm making a little bit of money, but then it's like, do I actually? Does the market want me? Hmm. Right, and that was a little scary when I to to get that first person. That was harder. And how I did that? I did that on LinkedIn. Hmm. That's that's how I did it. Yeah. 
How did you, uh, I guess, from the mental side of things, if you could talk through yeah. that a little bit, like sure. believing that you can actually do it, believing, hey, this is more than just some friends and family I'm doing some fun stuff for making a few bucks to actually scale it, to take it to where it is today. Like, how, Was there any kind of self-talk that you went through or any practices you did to kind of help um, give yourself the confidence or? I mean, listen, so this is my third company, right? Um, the la- first one I did with VC funding, the second one I did on my own, I bought when I did this one. So it's, it's quite, so there's something to be said about burning the bridges and you have no choice. Right. So my large e-commerce business became much less large during COVID because there are no weddings. That was 80% of my income. Mm. Right. And so I said, okay, I saved that business. That business will be fine. It'll go come back. It's coming back because of the vaccines. I said, well, here's my choice. I have a job. Get a job, right? I had this conversation with my wife, or I have this idea. I think I can make it work. It's an idea. I don't know. But my alternative is get a job, which I definitely do not want to do, right? I don't want to get a job. So, but like, hey, you got to do what you got to do. And so I said, let, I'm just going to do it. And I just said, this is what we're going to do. And it was scary. So mentally, how do I prepare? Well, I, I felt that I didn't have a choice. But I think also as an entrepreneur, you have to be irrational, irrationally optimistic. You have to believe in yourself to even take the plunge, right? You have to think you're smarter than you probably are. You're better than you are. And that you have secret sauce to pull whatever this is off. So I can't say I really psyched myself up any mental exercise, although I have, I did start meditating. So that's mm. the, the other thing I would, I would say meditation absolutely has been critical to getting the business off the ground because especially during COVID, right? Where there's a lot of stressors. I have a business that's not doing well. It allowed me to be present and clear of mind. And it sounds hokey because I'm not a meditation guy. Right, but well, obviously you are now. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, you know, uh, no, I think that meditation. I, you know, it just for me, my mind is going like, da, 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 like a million miles an hour. And I think what that allows you to do is just it just slows it all down. Yep. And so, if there's a mental practice you should do, it's that psyching yourself up. You just gotta believe in yourself. I mean, there's no, re- there's no look. There's no reason you can't be a multimillionaire or a billionaire. A billionaire is probably a lot harder, but like, there's no reason you can't be a multimillionaire, right? There's no reason. The people who are wealthy and rich are not any different than you or I. They're not special, right? I know people who are insanely wealthy who are maybe not even smart, right? Like, it's, it really doesn't matter. So why can't it be you? And you just have to believe that it can be you. They don't know anything more than you. The people that are doing this just because it hasn't been done and you have a different twist, that doesn't mean that you're wrong. Maybe they don't see what you see. Yeah, that's a good point. I I circled something over here uh, on my notepad uh, that to come back to and about pricing. So obviously you said you're kind of giving it away at the beginning, which I think is a great practice. When you did start charging, how did you know what to charge? Did, okay, was that so, just an ask or is that a, you make it up and say, I hope. Yeah. So let, let me uh, adjust that a little bit. So what I do now, what I did before was charge a non-refundable deposit to start the search. Hmm. Right. So for us to even go look for someone for you, I take a deposit. 
And if you ghost me, I don't give you your money back. If you come on as a client, I just credit you the full amount to your first invoice, right? When I first started, I didn't do that. I just said, I'll do this for, you don't even have to pay me. Let me go, let me go try. Now, once we found someone, there has to be money, you know, the way we did pricing is cost plus. So that, you know, the person costs us this to pay every month, plus our expenses, plus profit margin, right? right? And so, you know, over time you adjust it, you try, and we're still trying to figure out what the exact amount is. I have an idea in my head of what I want, but I think you just, you just got to learn and figure out, you're going to make less at the beginning. And then l- listen, client number one on a margin basis is a lot less profitable than client number 60, right? Client number one gave me a chance and that's okay. Even if you like are not making the money you think you should make, I knew it wasn't enough money. Like mm-hmm. I, I knew it wasn't like, I'm not, but you know, you have to learn and understand the value. By the way, you need experience. Someone's giving you a chance, right? Right. So, you know, let, they're giving you a chance. By the way, that's worth a lot of money. Right. Without my first client, maybe I wouldn't be here today. Yeah. So pricing, I think you got to just feel it out, see what's reasonable, you know, do work, you know, do work, you know, if it's a service-based business, maybe do based on performance, you know, some people get it. Some people don't. I mean, I had, you know, I, I spoke with someone the other day. I said, listen, you know, you're new. I'll give you a fat um, referral fee for everybody you can execute on to give to me, but you're new into what you're doing. But I, so I can't pay up front, but I'll give you, you can make more money this way. You know, he didn't take it, but for me, I would have said, yes, I wouldn't have cared because yes, let me perform. If I know I can do what I, I say I can do, yeah, I'd perform. Yeah. Just one or two more questions for you. Um, sure. and, I, and I'm kind of curious on this at what point, because again, let's say you're putting on the, you have the microphone here, you're talking to someone that's just starting a business or they're, they're thinking about starting at what's the tipping point when they really should be, or, or what are some things that could be breaking down in their business that they should be considering help and not doing everything themselves? Yeah. Uh, so obviously you have to have revenue. Well, you don't have to have revenue. Maybe you have enough money to start a business without revenue, but let's just say for most people, you have to have revenue right? Or profit, I should say, not just revenue, profit, because mm-hmm. who cares about revenue? You need profit. Mm-hmm. And so the, I think it's the point where you are, your growth is impeded because you can't focus on growing. You have to focus on doing. That's the point where you need help. Truthfully, you probably need, you need it beforehand, but most people, most people won't be able to recognize that you have to hire ahead mm-hmm. of your need. Like, it's, look, it's even hard, hard for me. We have five recruiters, right? It's ahead of what I need right now, but I know I'm going to need it. It's hard, it was hard to make the decision, to be honest with you. So most people won't hire ahead, but at a minimum, the second you are impeded from growing and you're, do, you're doing more than spending time on growth, that's when you actually have to hire help. Because other people can do probably 80% of the tasks. So to be crystal clear, again, so it doesn't get lost in translation. When you say the doing, that's like those just the to-do list items that kind of, you know, just get it done. You know, I got I to update you to do financial stuff, whatever it is, like things that aren't helping the sales growth. It's kind of just to make the business, you know, kind of stay afloat, I guess, in terms of uh, day-to-day activities. Is that what you're saying? Right. So let's just say, 
you know, and, th- and this, so it's really anything that does not requires, so let's say you're a client, Brian's experience or knowledge, right? Anything that doesn't require those two things, you out, you give to someone else, delegate, right? That's it. And that could be project management, could be client management. Most people, like client management, I would never do that. My clients expect me to actually answer every email. No, they don't. Like, just stop. Clients do not expect you to answer like an information request. Uh, they don't expect you to like you know salespeople like uh, sales prospects. If you said, "Oh, my you know my assistant or my chief of staff is going to send you something," no one's like, "Oh my god, how come is it? It isn't you." Like for me, let's say you're my client, right? you, I'm, your sales call. You say, "Matt, I'm in. Let's do it." Okay. From that point on, I do not speak to you unless you want to speak to me. Why? I add no value. I don't add value in writing up a job description. I don't add value sending you the job description. I don't add value in searching for someone. I don't add value scheduling interviews, right? It's just, I don't, I don't add a value in onboarding. My value is creating a system that enables you to be successful. And part of that is having other people to do the work, right? You've never heard of one, but you can't name one person. One person who's successful, like famous entrepreneur or business person, where they just, they're on their own. Yeah. You, you can't. Yeah. You may not see it, but behind the, behind the curtain, there's people helping out. Yeah. There's, I mean, you know, the, the, just look at politicians, right? You see the politician, right? But after that, you think the politicians really write the laws? No, they don't. Their staff does, right? Like, but the politician's like, hey, I made the, I made the law, right? But, you know, even if they're like this a spokesperson, uh, Richard Branson, you know, like obviously they have massive teams. Is Richard Branson actually doing work? No, he's not. So let me ask you this then. And, and by the way, I'm not going to allow you to use your uncle's advice. You can't use that because we already, uh, we already used it. But I want yeah. you to go back to your younger self. Okay. I want you to go back to your younger self and you're trying to give one piece of impactful advice. I like to say it has to fit on a post-it note. Like I can just stick on my computer. I can stick on my mirror to get me, and it doesn't have to be motivated, but it could be a thoughtfulness um, on my journey. Who are you sharing or what kind of advice are you sharing with your younger self? I would say for me in particular, start earlier, meaning start my entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial journey earlier. That's what I would tell my younger self. Not everyone should be in corporate America. And I'm one of those people. I'm just not, I'm not a fit. So that, that's my advice. I would say start earlier, know yourself, know your strengths and weaknesses. And, you know, when, when I came out of college, entrepreneurs were not glorified like they are today, right? It was small business owners, right? And I was more inclined to go that path although I learned a lot of things along the way, including going to graduate school. Mm-hmm. But what I'm doing now is much more personality fit. So here, let me actually, here's actually something more succinct. Don't focus on product market fit, focus on business entrepreneur fit or career person fit. Do what's right for you. Do not think about what's right for someone else. Yeah, that's a great, that's a great point. And would you, and, and kind of, I guess it can be on both those fronts, but are you, in, are you encouraging folks to, and we can call it a side hustle, but even just trying projects 
before they get out and kind of run full throttle, like to see if they actually like it. And, and it's something they, they could see themselves doing for a full-time gig. Smarter people than me should do that. <laughs> I didn't do that, but I highly recommend it. I think that, you know, listen, I mean, a side hustle can be, you know, you're going to work a lot of hours, but you know, side hustle is a great entry, you know, way to, to jump in, to just dip your toe in. I listen, I spent a whole bunch of money and I, uh, on my own and I bought a business, right? It was a portfolio, not a smart thing to do. It's just I, like not smart. Um, it would have been smarter to actually do what you suggest as start small, dip your toe in, see if you like it, if you're good at it, right? Mm-hmm. It's also you can like it and not be good at it. Right. Like, you know, like e-commerce for me is the wrong business, but I jumped in and burned the bridges and, you know, I was floating in the ocean. Um, don't recommend that. Yeah. But, you know, yeah, I would say dip your toe in. Why not? Spend the extra, it's, look, it's, it's, oh, and it's okay. It's like, you're going to work extra hours. Oh my God. You know, when am I going to have time to see my friends or whatever? Well, that's the price. You want to, you want to try something new. You want to be an entrepreneur and you don't want to just jump in. You're going to have to have the side hustle. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Where uh, where can everyone find you online? Where's the best place to connect, check out content, you know, say hello, whatever it is? Sure, LinkedIn. Uh, I am on LinkedIn. I'm sure you have my the name of my, you know, the spelling of my name. I'm yep. the only Matthew Yeas on LinkedIn. And, you know, reach out. Listen, if you want to talk about entrepreneurship, you want to talk about general business, you, know, you want to talk about outsourcing, just say hello. I'm always happy to talk to people whether or not you're a client. Awesome. Matthew, this was a lot of fun. Um, excited to have you on and, and definitely the, with the sh- stories you shared, um, I know it's going to be helpful for a lot of folks listening in. So uh, thank you again. I appreciate it. Thanks, Brian. It's been fun. Well, I hope you all enjoyed that great interview. And thanks again for stopping by the Just Get Started podcast. Uh, grateful to have you here. And if I could just make one quick ask before you run along on your day, you know, I've grown this podcast organically over the last three plus years. And it's from the great listeners that pick up, you know, a quote or a key learning or just enjoy the entertainment of the podcast and they share it out to their audience. They leave a review on Apple Podcasts, whatever it is. Um, And I'd ask that for you as well. If you've made it to this point and are listening in, um, a lot of the podcast uh, platforms that you listen on have a share button right there where you can share it out to your audience on various platforms. So. I would be so appreciative if you wouldn't mind taking a quick second to do that um, if you really enjoyed this episode. So thanks again. I'm happy to connect online. I always love to meet new people. So if you want to go to my website, brianondraco.com, or connect with me, I'm at brianondraco basically everywhere on Instagram, Twitter, even Clubhouse, that new app that's out there, uh, you name it. So uh, follow me online and uh, certainly look forward to connecting further. I hope you all have a great day, a phenomenal week, and we'll talk to you soon. Take care.